You know, the truth is I just wanted to come home. I wanted to sort of my right way, my way back to a summer vacation, which is um, ironic since I haven't really had a day off, but uh, uh, that was, that was, that was the, the, my first impulse. And you know, the, the, the world's in such a dark place right now. I just mm-hmm. wanted to make a show about people, even though they're really fucked up and really dysfunctional at the end of the day, uh, there's a goodness there. There's a squishy center. They love each other. Moonshine is a brand new family drama set in a fictionalized version of Hubbard's that premiered last week. Its creator, Sherry Elwood, will join me from the set of the second season to talk growing up in Nova Scotia, blended family vibes, the difference between working in American and Canadian television, and why we need a show like this right now. I'm Tara Thorne, and this is The Tideline. Good day, folks. Here we are still in phase four. I'm so sorry. It was a weird run at the film festival. It was very quiet and masky. There was no traffic. There was no vibe. I could not get into the arms, though, so people were definitely hanging out. What's the best thing you saw at Finn? Tweet me at ThornyHFX. I gotta plan my fall. Speaking of festivals, the annual hip-hop event Hopscotch is on this weekend, and it's largely free and mostly at that stage that's been set up in Grand Parade for a while. Which, to be clear, I'm 100% in support of more stages around town. There should be one in the middle of the Oval, too. Do you remember Snow Jam? Let's do that. So some of the events include a hip-hop takeover of the Grand Oasis stage. That is what they're calling that thing in Grand Parade. This starts at 6 o'clock on Friday, and it features the likes of Kai Clayton, who is a past guest on this show, Vince the Messenger, who I guess is coming over from PEI, Aqua Socks, which is aquaculture and ghetto socks, And a decade of Quake Matthews, and it says in brackets, expect some special guests. My guess is it's classified. On Saturday, the Electric Powwow meets Carabana from 2 to 10. This is also in in Grand Parade, and that features the Haluchi Nation, KO Music, Shift from the 902, Maddie Galaxy uh, are among that lineup. They, They do everyone's Instagram, so I have to guess who the artist is. On Saturday at the Marquee, this is a paid event now, and you should double check on this one because we're because phase five was delayed. I don't know what the numbers are if they're still doing this, but the official after party as currently listed with Jazz Cartier happening Saturday night at the Marquee. And then on Sunday, the community cookout at East Coast Block Party featuring DJ IV, RS Smooth, OKTK, Aqua Socks with a full band, the dance outfit, The Woods, and many more that is happening uh, beginning in the afternoon. So this is not hip hop that we're talking about now. <laughs> My great friend and bandmate Trevor Murphy has his own band called Quiet Parade. That's the English one. The French one is called Sluice. But QP was one of the many bands who dropped records during the pandemic and is only now getting an official release show. There's is at the Carlton on September 30th, along with Good Dear Good and a mysterious special guest that I don't think is classified. And you can get tickets to that now. Here's my favorite track from The Will to Weather the Storm. This is Lines Are Open. You're on the other side Living that other life Does it almost break you? Do you feel alright? Why do we always 
a thousand times Painting pictures out of promises The same circles and the same lines Why do we always do this to ourselves? Why do we always do this to Moonshine tells the story of the Finley Cullen family, which is comprised of aging hippie parents and five half-siblings running a summer resort in a town that looks an awful lot like Hubbard's. Creator Sherry Elwood, whose hit series Call Me Fitz, starring Jason Priestley, was made in the Annapolis Valley, has deep ties to the area in Nova Scotia and celebrates them in this acerbic family drama airing Tuesdays on CBC. Hi, Sherry. Hi. How are you? You're like literally calling in from set. I'm literally calling in from set. Well, I'm in my I'm in my um, writer's office right now, which looks like part of the set because we're in uh, Yield Cabin, right on the ocean. So it's 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 lovely. So is this sort of a summer camp situation where you all kind of live down there? Hundred percent adult summer camp. <laughs> <laughs> so this is season two, and we're and we're about to talk about season one, which just dropped. Yes. So uh, yeah, we're in season two. 
yeah. So tell me about um, you have a lot of familial connections to to Hubbard's and the Short Club. Could you tell me about those to start? Yeah, well, the the Moonshine the show is is semi autobiographical in that my um, you know the show is about you know dysfunctional blended family and um, a bunch of adult uh, you know half siblings and their aging hippie parents, which which I happen <laughs> to have. Yeah, um, but it's not about them. So if my mother asks, it is not about them. Uh, inspired by them. Um, yeah. And so it's, 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 uh, we're shooting at the Hubbard's beach campground and cottages, and, uh, we've built our own fictional, uh, campground and cottages in our fictional town of Foxton, um, basically in my parents' backyard, which is, which has been great. And the short club, uh, which, you know, everyone loves, it's been there forever, uh, is also a big part of it. It is. It figures prominently in the show. It's, uh, yeah, part of our part of our little summer resort. So lots of scenes <laughs> shot there. Yes, it's very cool. So I, I mean, you've been in TV a long time. You've done a ton of shows. Why now for a semi autobiographical show? You know, the truth is, I just wanted to come home. I wanted to sort of my right way my way back to a summer vacation, which is um, ironic since I haven't really had a day off. But. Uh, uh, that was, that was, that was the, the, my first impulse. And you know, the, the, the world's in such a dark place right now. I mm-hmm. just wanted to make a show about people, even though they're really fucked up and really dysfunctional at the end of the day, uh, there's a goodness there. There's a squishy center. They love each other, um, in, in a really bizarre, again, dysfunctional way. But, uh, I, I was just yearning to tell that story. I was yearning to watch that story, to be honest. I, I mean, a right. lot of my work, you know, that I've done is, you know, dark comedy, seeing the world through a pretty jaundiced lens. And, uh, you know, I, I was just ready for something else. It's been pretty brutal out there on the planet. And uh, I just took a gamble that other people would be ready for this kind of a show, too. For sure. And um, do you have as many siblings in real life as are in the show? I do. I have even more. Wow. I've got four <laughs> half siblings and three blood siblings. Wow. Mm-hmm. So forget your mother. How is how? <laughs> your siblings dealt with like sort of an amalgam of all of them into, into like are they no, bugging you are they like no, who's me no, how dare no, you yeah no there's not no well not yeah I mean there's no direct one-to-one it's it's really mm-hmm. kind of a mashup between all of us and uh and believe me that a lot of the, these characters their worst characteristics are coming from directly from me so I, I am not exempt here um <laughs> yeah they'll, and they'll be the first to point that out too <laughs> Um, uh, you, uh, have worked in all kinds of network television, um, honestly, like a network Canadian network show in, in 2021 feels like a special thing to me. Like there's not too many shows coming out on CBC anymore. What, what has been sort of, um, the difference for you, you know, coming from cable network, like, is this something that the average person would even give a shit about? I don't know, but I'm very interested in terms of like how, how you deal with the show and how it is dealt with for you like, and how, you know, like promotion, um, all that kind of stuff. Like, is there a different, a, a large difference between, you know, cable as we know it and, and network TV? Well, you know, that's a really good question. I, I don't know if those lines are so delineated anymore. I really think that, you know, all of all of broadcast TV right now is trying to be a little more cable and all of cable is trying to be a little more populist. So I'm just not sure if those lines are as clearly drawn anymore. Um, uh, as you see, I mean, you know, streamers like Netflix, and they're, they're doing a lot of procedurals. They're still doing a lot of procedurals. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. don't know you can swear more. 
but I don't know if things are as cut and dry. Um, what, I mean, what I can say, working with the CBC, and who I've actually never worked with before, I've never done a show with CBC before. Um, they have promoted this show like I've never seen a Canadian show promoted before. I mean, it's just been absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're on jumbotrons across the country and buses and shelters and posters pasted up along construction sites and, uh, commercial after commercial. It, it, it's been humbling and, and, and lovely. I, and so maybe that's the difference between, you know, broadcasting cable and that there's a little more advertising dollars to actually promote the show. Mm-hmm. And have you, you know, I think about TV in the old days, network TV anyway, it's sort of like, episodes came out week by week and you were working through the year and like you could sort of react to audience um, things in real time. Like, oh, they love this character more than I thought they would. We'll keep them on or whatever. Uh, But now you're just sort of doing, you just shoot all, you shoot the season at once and then it's out. We're talking season one when you're shooting season two. Um, So does it change the way that you approach the actual show? Does it like, you know, knowing there's no, like it has to be self-contained? Uh... You know, we're just making the show. We're just making the show that we wanted to make. I can't really think about, I mean, it sounds, I'm not, I I don't mean this to sound cavalier, but I can't really think too much about audiences because you just never know. If you did know, Mm -hmm. if anyone knew with all their algorithms and metrics and testing, then every single show would be a giant hit. Like you just don't know. So all you can do is try to make the best show that you can and be true to your characters. Um you know, in the vision of the show, you know, small V vision, whatever, whatever that may be, you filter all decisions through that North star and, uh, you know, cross your fingers. You know, I mean, what I can say is, you know, I hired the absolute very best people that I could, the most talented people that I could. My, my cast is fantastic. My, my writing staff is so strong. Um, yeah, you just, you just hope that the chess pieces align. Totally. And I, actually, I did want to ask about what is the is the makeup of your writing room in terms of, uh, you know, demographics? Oh, well, uh, demogra- de- demographics. What do you what do you mean? I, mean, I, I know we're mostly women. Yeah, There's mostly, mostly women. women. Yeah, There's yeah. One dude, one dude and one all dude. women. Uh, you know, we're all shapes, colors and sizes and ages. So that helps you out. Have you have you run shows like that before? Like, have you know, is, is this is this, you know, uh, uh, a mostly women writing room. Is that a new thing for you? In my fantasies, no. Um, <laughs> no, it's great. It's awesome. It's, 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 you know, it just worked out that way. That actually wasn't a conscious thing. It just, it just worked out that way. Okay. So what were you looking for when you were hiring people then? Good writing. That's all that matters mm-hmm. on the page. Um, the show is, uh, you know, you, you talked off the top about, uh, you're having dark humor and this still does um, was yeah. was there sort of there is a, the dark humor but there is sort of I would call it braver esque like parenthood um, uh, you know family dynamics and relationships that still that that you know are really the heart as you said as well so was is there do you know the line when you're crossing it like like have you gone too dark and had to pull it back no but challenge accepted <laughs> No, you know, no, no, God, no, no. I mean, you know, and and to do emotional, heartfelt stuff, you need the funny. Like you can't have Mm -hmm. one without the other. I mean, I don't want to watch a gag inducing, you know, family love fest. I don't think anybody does because that's not real. It's not real. And so the humor that we tell, even, even our broadest, uh, 
you know, scenarios, like we always undercut that with some emotion and vice versa. And um, I don't know how much you want to talk about this, but you're now in your second season of COVID shooting. Um. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to say. It sucks. I, I can't yeah. sugar. I can't sugarcoat it. It sucks. We're all so exhausted by it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I don't know how much you know about, um, you know, just the protocols. You know, for insurance purposes and production purposes. But our protocols are, you know, much stricter than the provincial protocols. And so, you know, if an actor lands in Nova Scotia, they still have to be quarantined for seven days, even though you know the quarantine is gone away. And that's even if they're just coming from another province. It's even if they're coming from you know, another town, we, we still have a mandatory seven day quarantine before that cast member can, you know, sort of join the fray. Is that a um, union thing? It's an insurance thing. It's oh, about insurance. studios covering their butts in case somebody gets sick and we, sick and we have to shut down. We need to, we sure. need to show that we have really, you know, dotted our I's and crossed our T's and we're all tested three times a week. And yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. I mean, having been on sets for so long, does it change the sort of camaraderie if you have to stay apart? And I mean, obviously some people are making out and well, stuff. Not but- any, no, yeah, I mean, not anymore so much because we're used to it. And, you know, the, the, the you know, my cruise is as much of a family as my cast is. So it's it hasn't really we're, we're accustomed to it now. It's just it's just tiresome. It's, you know, but we have a good I mean, we we are very lucky in that it's a show that shoots primarily outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have our own little back lots. So we're able to keep things contained. Um, yeah, I think we've got it pretty good in terms of COVID shooting compared to others. And how has the, um, the neighborhood accepted you? You know, Hubbard's, we all know what small town Nova Scotia's like. Uh, is there, are they happy that you're there? Is it gossipy? What's the deal? Well, it's, uh, yeah, I think they're really happy that we're here. You know, uh, this was the positive COVID thing. Um, I was approached actually by, um, sweet woman we were shooting a scene at our cove fm set and she approached me and said oh you sherry i just want to thank you i'm the local accountant and i do you know the books for all the small businesses locally and uh, we just want to say thank you because i you know rolling a production into town really keeps a lot of the small businesses afloat Mm -hmm. we're buying food and we're buying gas and it's accommodations and it's restaurants and it's supplies and it's hardware and it's all of those things um so they've been very welcoming and lovely Excellent. And you had the big premiere like at the Shore Club. We did. It was it was so great to see it with a local crowd. Yeah, it was sold out. Uh, some might say more glamorous than a Hollywood premiere. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of the actors are from away. What's how, how has it been for them down here? They love it. They love it. They're all shopping for real estate. <laughs> Now's the time, apparently. Now is the time. Yes. Um. You made four four seasons of Call Me Fitz, very successful show. Um, there's so much content now. What what did you have to do to get this show made? Was this a struggle? Was it a t- was it a tough thing to do your next thing after coming off of a, of a success like that? I'm just sort of like, what is the TV landscape? I don't know. There's so much out there. You know, but when I came off when I came off Fitz, and that's ten years ago now, I just mm-hmm. did other shows. Like I did, right. you know, a bunch of other shows in between. Coming back to this is my first time back to Canada, mm-hmm. and I think it's always hard to get a show made here because we have a tradition of putting the financing before the creative. And it's if we can put those financial pieces together, then maybe we can make the show as opposed to the other way around, where we've got you mm-hmm. know really sort of deep, deep pocketed networks in the U.S. where they just they just greenlight the show. 
Like that's what do you need? They they say what does the create what budget do you need? And that's you know a lot of times the budget you get. Whereas here it's like well you got X number of dollars. What can you cobble together? Um, so you know it's it is always a struggle. This one this one came together fairly quickly. I think there was an appetite for a family dramedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was an appetite to uh, repatriate um, me because I had been away for so long. Um, and had I you been in had you been in LA? Yeah, since 2007. Wow. So um, there was that. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I just, I just, again, I, I just come back to, I, I think people wanted a, a fun, feel-good show. It's like we've, you know, we have a show where we uh, create the crimes but don't necessarily solve them. <laughs> um, uh, so here in season two, uh, you're shooting season two. How, how much, how much of a Bible, like how many seasons, I mean, with a family like this, with so many people, so much going on, I feel like it could go on forever. Um, well, yeah, from your, from your mouth to the bean counter's <laughs> ears. Yeah. Well, that's what we are finding that the more we write these characters, the more scenarios we come up for them. I mean, it's just, it's such a delicious tangled web. Like I could write for them forever. It's, it's really, um, the easiest show I've ever written. They just did, I don't know, partially because I, I think we cast pretty well and it's just, it's very inspiring, these characters. Cool. And um, is this sort of, is this your focus for a while or what's the next thing? I know everyone's like, don't ask the person what about the thing they're promoting now, what their next thing is, but I am curious because you're, you're always, you're working on a ton of things. Yeah, I'm working on a ton of things. I have a bunch of other things in the hopper. Um, I'm taking a a new show out um, in a few weeks um, called Bitches, which I'm doing with one of my um, fellow executive producers from Lucifer. Um, so that's going to be super fun. And then there's another hour-long dramedy that I'm developing um, for Elizabeth Banks called Shit Show, which I'm also excited about that. But uh, These or, are two or, titles Elizabeth. that you aren't going to be I able know. to just, say all, ever again. All expletives <laughs> all the time. Um, I know. Whenever anyone talks about Kevin can go fuck himself, I'm like, yeah, but we can't. We can't yeah. say it. <laughs> yeah. Are you, really? Do you have to cut that out? Oh, we don't. Not okay. on this show. Oh. Yeah, no, the CBC, you will have to. The CBC actually has a new mandate. I think for their hour-long audience, you're really not allowed to, allowed to swear, which uh, was really hard for us. <laughs> very, very I could tell. I could tell. Like, there was a couple shits and a couple assholes, but then there was a lot of frigs. Yeah, not intentional. Those are <laughs> unintentional frigs, just, just so you know. Um yeah, there were a lot of expletives, especially in that first episode, which we we just had to chop out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, going, I mean, getting getting the green light to swear and then having it taken away must be tough. Very painful, very <laughs> more painful than one would imagine. But yes. <laughs> All right, Sherry, thanks so much for your time, and uh, congratulations on on the show, and and hope I hope to see many more seasons. Thank you. Take, Take care. care. Thank you for having me on. I couldn't leave you without one more quiet parade track. Get those tickets now. Here's Severin. Sure. 
Sideline is engineered by Palmer Jamison at the Golden Palm and produced by the Halifax Examiner.